Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. JJ, how you doing, my friend? I am holding in my hand, Joe, an iPhone 12 mini. Mm, so you're doing very well. Yeah, I think I am doing very well. Uh, I I know we're supposed to like talk about a couple of things before we get into it, but I just can't help it. I love this phone. I mean, we might as well talk about it. Well, you might as well be recording this show over the iPhone 12 mini because it's so powerful. It's got all those chips, little microchips inside of chips, inside <laughs> of chips. It's, it's amazing. Why aren't we podcasting on our phones? Unfortunately, the connectivity and the screen size would, would be a limiting factor there. Um, I, I love this phone, though. And it is like a, a very, like, I'm, I'm, you, you got to remember, I'm coming from the success. Um, and, the 6S was really showing its age. I feel like it probably needed restored. That might have solved some of the problems with it. And I have restored it, actually, since I've switched to the iPhone 12 mini. I've reset it up as new. But I, I basically wiped it and then let it get to the welcome screen and then shut it off. <laughs> so I'll set it up later for the kids. But um, I just want to spend some time with the 12 mini before I give that phone up completely. Um, but so far, so good with the 12 mini. I love the form factor, I, as I knew I would. But it is so much easier to hold in the hand and the flat sides. Is the way I hold the phone, like it just sits easily on my uh, pinky finger because when I hold it with my right hand and my pinky supports the bottom, which I think it's a very common um, grip on the phone, right? And so then my thumb is manipulating it when I'm doing one I hand. I do too. Yeah. And it just sits on there so nicely and it doesn't feel like it's going to leave, leave my hand. There's a kind of a tackiness to the glass on the back and the flat sides just make it really, uh, really wonderful. And, and this, this just, it really does remind me of just a larger version of the iPhone 4S, which I loved a lot. That was my favorite iPhone before this mm. one. This is definitely my favorite design now. The really, the only, in terms of the physical presence of the device, the only thing that I really would change about it. And I'm not even sure I would make this, um, this change because I don't know if I'd make the compromise of the cameras, but as in terms of when I'm not using the cameras, I don't like the camera bumps. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, this is the perfect like slab of iPhone. I would also, um, so, so as far as the hardware goes, I would, um, also reduce the size of the notch. I don't like how big the notch is. And to tell you the truth, aesthetically speaking, the way that the signal bar indicator kind of hugs right up against the rounded corner, it feels like a mistake. <laughs> and I, it feels, I don't like the I'm aesthetic of that. I'm not sure I that. follow you. What is the signal bar? Yeah. You know, where your cell signal is. And it, it, it hugs, so it's on the right side of the notch or the right notch uh, area, but it hugs the rounded corner of the notch. And it feels... Oh, Okay. I don't like, it feels like it's not enough space and it feels like it's just not right. I don't like that about it. Um, aesthetically speaking. Um, I, and I'm coming from also before I switched back to my 6S, I had the, uh, OnePlus 7T, which I constantly mention on the show. It had a much smaller notch. Um, and I would prefer that. But other than that, it's a, I like the phone. It's a, it's a very responsive phone. I mean, the A14 is a very good processor, clearly. Um, so yeah. What questions do you have for me, Joe? Since you're coming from the six S, which is the same size as the six and the seven and the eight, and now the iPhone SE, 
which is still around and kicking. Uh, would you say that this feels smaller? It feels like it's the same size. Now, it's actually slightly, um, well, in terms of the physical device, if it, it's actually slightly shorter. It's the same width. Actually, one second. Let me grab the success and just c- put a comparison here so I'm telling you the right stuff. Theater of the mind time. One second, Tim. You already buried it? Already had a funeral for your success? And blocked it out of your memory? Here it is. Okay. Sorry. I knew I put it in my closet behind me somewhere. Okay. So I'm taking the, I put the silicon case back on the success, which I did not use when I had it. Um, but I put it back on because I assume the kids would be getting it soon. So let me take that off. Okay. Now I'm holding the 12 mini right up to the success. Actually, it is slightly, just ever so slightly narrower than the success. Like not a lot. But and it's even, but it is hmm. noticeably shorter than the success. Now, of course, it has much more screen real estate. Um, obviously, the notch cuts into some of that usable screen real estate, and and I actually, it is a good use of the notch that they put status indicators and stuff up there, and so it doesn't take up the full like bar that was on the success. You know, yeah, but, uh, I like that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm holding the 6s right now in my hand the way I would hold the a phone in my hand, and it definitely doesn't feel as nice as the 12 mini. I know some people don't like the flat sides, and they say the rounded feels better, but I really love these flat sides. Yeah, giving it some thought over the last few weeks, I think that a lot of people would prefer to have the new look, but a handful of them are going to say that their hand prefers the the softer feel of the rounded edges, and I don't. I don't, you know, begrudge that of them. Thankfully, they still have the 11 generation for sale from Apple if they want. And a few of the resellers still have, uh, you know, the 10R and the like, if you want to get that before they're completely sold out. And you couldn't go wrong if maybe you were going from a 10R and you were planning to jump onto the 12 mini or the 12 generation, but you're not crazy about those flat sides. And so what you did is you got a deal instead on an 11 or even if you, again, if it's features that count and you still like those rounded corners, then get the 11 Pro somewhere. So that'd be not a bad upgrade. But it does seem like this is going to be around for a few years, so you might think about getting a rounded corners case to put on a 12 if that's really what you got to do, if that's what you want. But I uh, really do like me. it too. And I think, like you were saying, you like the silicone case. Your wife got the silicone case too, but you, you, you wanted to hear your thoughts about the cases. But is your impression that the in the hand, in the feel of such a case, it's uh, kind of spot on? It's a good generation of silicone cases? for what it is it's it's thicker than i like and i'm i i ordered a case because i wasn't sure and it wasn't that expensive you know compared to the cost of the phone so i just ordered it with the phone so that i'd have it but i am caseless right now now my wife is using the silicone case apple silicone case it magnetically and and somewhat magnetically and then somewhat like with hugging the phone you know it snaps on there and it's a great case and it matches the shape of the phone. It doesn't round off the corners or anything. And um, it's a fine case. It's like I said, it's just a little bit thicker than I like. And I really like the feel of this thing by itself. And so I'm running it caseless. Um, and I've been nice. using the magnetic charger. That's really nice. Uh, but Rachel is as well. And it works just fine as you would expect through the silicone case. So um, 
Hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm actually, and I wanted to make this point too, since I pulled out my 6S and pulled the case off of it. I actually had a very thin case on the 6S, um, as I've discussed on the show before, I think. Um, but I'm holding it caseless yeah, right totally now. Yeah, case. Uh, something like it, yes. The um, I'm holding the... A 6S right now naked and it feels so slippery and it's I don't think it's just the rounded corners I think that aluminum feels really slippery too I remember why I put a case on it it does uh, yeah it, it just feels really slippery the six the 12 mini I do not feel at all like I'm gonna drop it like it is it is not I, grippy is the wrong word because it doesn't feel tack it, it's just it it just stays like I just don't feel like I'm gonna drop it um yeah, it is yeah, a good um, point because it, it's not like it does have grooves on it or a texture like a, a you know a, a nice gun hilt. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just tactile enough. The glass clings a little bit to the palm of your hand. Yeah, and the sides too. Um, they they don't feel slippery. I actually just now set them down side by side, and the twelve mini is slightly thicker than the six S. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's doesn't feel bigger, but it's just slightly thicker. Um, so I wanted to mention too, before I move on too much further, I've already skipped it in the outline. So let me mention it. Uh, my wife, uh, like me had been on Android for a couple of years and unlike me, she was still on Android when she switched to the 12 mini. Um, and she mostly likes it. However, initially when she was setting it up and she hasn't been on iPhone in a while, so she wasn't restoring, uh, from a previous like iPhone or iPhone layout. So she's downloading apps and positioning them on the screen where she wants. And she says, I forgot how frustrating it is that I can't put the apps anywhere <sighs> I want. Like they just, they flow, you know, everybody who uses an iPhone knows they flow left to right, top to bottom. And so she wants them to be in a specific yeah. place. And as she's downloading them and arranging them, but Apple makes this so hard. I don't understand the resistance to this. Like my wife is not a techie nerdy type when it comes to hard uh, when it comes to electronics and she's she's very noticeably like i don't like this like why would why would android be better at something than apple's phone um so yeah she definitely (laughs) noticed that and she um yeah i mean there's been other little things but they're not really worth mentioning that was the biggest thing to her is like i can't put my apps where i want (laughs) so um I think more than any other complaint I've heard over the years, going back to probably the days of iPhone 3GS, that it seems like so many users has complained about the way that the app icons flow. And more than people complaining about the notch or a lackluster camera or battery life, I cannot think of one user who hasn't at one time or other said something about the app icons flowing that really perturbed them. So I really do hope that there comes a day that Apple makes it at least optional in settings that you can toggle the flow off and on. Then, man, that'd be glorious because what I would love to do is shift any apps I want to the lower half of my home screens and leave the top blank or just use those spots for widgets only. Sometimes it'd be worth it just to use a large widget to force all the app icons down (laughs) and not have anything up at the top. Indeed, I, I completely agree. I don't want to spend too much time on this. We've got a lot to talk about today, and I want to yeah. move on to other other parts of the setup. So I opted to uh, transfer my success because I had downloaded all the apps that I wanted and arranged them just the way I wanted. So I opted to transfer. 
And as you may or may not know, Joe, I don't know what your uh, typical way you do iPhones is, but they have this thing where they'll create a Wi-Fi network between the two phones and transfer it all locally, like as long as they're close together, and they use all this beam-forming technology and all this stuff. But basically, when I started nice. to set up my 12 Mini, uh, it said, are you wanting to come from an old, older iPhone, a previous iPhone? I said, yes. I don't remember all the terminology, so forgive me if I'm not getting it the Apple terminology right. And so then... Um, it would put this pattern on the screen and it told me to use my uh, previous phone to scan that pattern. And then the, the previous phone goes into s- this sort of transfer mode. Um, and then I hit a roadblock, which was your iPhone 6S is running iOS 14. Whatever, and your 12 mini is running iOS 14. Previous, <laughs> so we need to update first. And so oh. I did. And that was that was like 30 something minutes that I sat there waiting for it to update. Um, but then once it updated, it came back and there was no, it did, I didn't have to redo it. It knew like the 6s actually said, waiting for your, your new iPhone. I don't remember. I think, I think it's an iPhone 12 waiting for your iPhone 12 to update. So there's, they're clearly communicating. Uh, and then when it rebooted, it said, waiting for your phone to reboot. And then it said, your transfer is beginning, you know? So it, it the 6s was aware of everything that was going on the whole way. Um, so that, I thought that was pretty clever. And, and once I had updated iOS 14, it literally only took like eight or 10 minutes to get everything transferred over. Of course, then it still had to, it, it didn't oh, transfer so like the, the, the app data, like it transferred app data, but not the apps themselves. So those all still had to download from the store and stuff as you would expect. Um, so that mm-hmm. was fine. There was little glitches once I got in, like, and, and I, I, I always forget. I have a few people who use uh, WhatsApp because they're on Android or whatever, and so I have groups and stuff that I'm in on WhatsApp with these people, um, sort of like you use Telegram. And um, I always forget yeah. WhatsApp is very tied to your specific hardware and your phone, and so on the new phone I had to sign back in, but then for some reason WhatsApp hadn't backed up all my chats over the last, you know, however many months I've been using the success. And so I've lost all my chat history. And once you log in on a new device, the old one is logged out and any chat history there is gone. So it's a terrible system. I hate that. Um, Oh, as I was setting up, I, I wish Apple would figure this out. I, as I was setting up and I, uh, once I got to the screen, um, I'm trying to remember what stage this was at, but I had to manually enter my Apple ID password. As you might imagine, it's a nonsense gobbledygook password that I've used from a password generator in 1Password. Um, so it's a painful and tedious process, and I got it wrong the first time. <laughs> so I had to start over and enter, you know, 64 <laughs> character random characters Ouch. of my Apple ID password. And the thing is, like, my phones recognized each other. I'm signed in on my 6S. And so you would think if I scanned and did all the security yeah. stuff and physically verified that I was present, that it would just transfer that over. But no, I had to enter that password. <sighs> so... Uh, the other issue was um, that I have on my home screen the. Are, have you heard of Zero, the app Zero for fasting? Yes, I downloaded it. I gave it a trial run. Nice. Yeah, I use it all the time. I'm. I in fact, I did a twenty hour fast from last night to about five thirty today. Nice. Um, and I have it in widget form on my home screen. The the widget came over, but it was named strangely. It was called something Zero Widget. Like it didn't say Zero like my widget does now. And it would open the Zero app when I clicked it, but the widget itself would never update. Even when I started to fast, it still just sat there saying um, however many hours since my last fast or whatever it was doing. I finally had to delete the widget and re-add it. So something went wrong with the widget transfer. So that was weird. Um, the watch came over. Oh, I skipped one. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading the outline here. Uh, I had to completely reset up the wallet app. 
which is odd because don't you, I mean, it seems like it's tied to my Apple ID. My wallet app should be the same on one phone versus another if I've entered my password and verified that it's me. But I had to completely reset it up on the new Mm -hmm. phone and enter all kinds of security credentials. And like, I get it. It just seems a little overzealous. And especially since my 6S is physically present, I can verify that I'm just transferring over. So that was that was a pain. On that note, well, what it made me think of was how they probably have a security reason. They have it in a chip on your phone. They don't want it to be synced to the cloud across your Apple ID and iCloud storage to have your entire wallet cross devices. But you do manually have to enter them in the first time on the watch, the iPad, the Mac, etc. It's basically the same everywhere you go. And, you know, I do understand it does seem more private and secure. But then if the cards in your wallet are basically your debit cards or credit cards and your membership cards, aren't those basically the same credentials that you've added to your login keychain anyway, which Apple is going to let you do in Safari or, you know, another browser is going to add to their keychains. There's some way in which they're stored in the cloud for sure, because in your, and you can choose to have recurring payments put on any card in your wallet. So I don't quite understand what the issue is there. I think it's just Apple being a little overzealous. Yeah. The, um, the final pain point uh, of the setup, and I, I will say, just I will say that this is definitely a way better experience than it used to be. I remember switching phones with Apple used to be a nightmare, and this I would not call this a nightmare at all. It, it some of things took a little longer than they should have. <laughs> I should not have had to enter that long ass password, but overall, it is a much improved experience. Apple has done a lot to improve this experience. Good. Um, the final pain point, though, was the watch and all the. All the information that I had looked up basically said, yeah, it'll be pretty painless to bring your watch over to a new phone, unlike it used to be with the other iterations, earlier iterations of Apple Watch, where you basically had to erase it and sync it and start over. And I did not have to do any of that. It basically just recognized I'm on a new phone. And so um, the uh, I, I think it was on the iPhone said, "We would, um, do you want to pair with, you want to repair your watch to this phone? I said, yes. And then it sat and thought for a minute. And then it said, then my watch said, TJ's iPhone 6S would like to pair. Would you like to pair with TJ's iPhone 6S? And I thought, oh, that's it messed up. No, of course I don't. I don't want to do that. I, I want mm. it to be on my iPhone 12 no. mini. So I, I click cancel and it came up again after a few minutes. And it's like, wait. I'm, and then I realized what was happening. I went in and checked on my 12 mini. My iPhone 12 mini is named TJ's iPhone 6S. Because I had transferred my iPhone 6s over to my Mini, <laughs> so that's so it was it was just yeah. using a name I hadn't named it yet, so I I renamed it so it could be recognized, and then it was fine. So that was really the only final pain point. I, I wanted to go back to MagSafe or using MagSafe. So where do you like to keep it? Do you use this on your nightstand in your car or at your desk? Well, I'm using it on my nightstand, um, and in fact, as an experiment today, we might as well just jump over to battery life, which is really the next thing in the outline anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Saturday, so I got the phone on Friday, and so that was, it stayed plugged in a lot while I was um, transferring over, because I just wanted to make sure I had good battery life while I was doing that, and then by the time I used the phone, I think when I went to bed that night, it was down at like 60%. And of course, I'm playing with it, and fiddling with it in the settings and all this stuff and checking stuff out. So that wasn't really a good example, and it was late in the day when I unplugged it anyway. Saturday, I used it really hard, and I was a little worried because it got down to 13% by the end of the day, and I specifically, on, on purpose, did not plug it in at all throughout the day, And I, but I was also using it very hard all day Saturday. 
Sunday is not a good test because, you know, it sits in my, uh, in my bag in the corner, uh, at church and it's on silent mode and I really don't do anything with it until after church. And so that was all fine. And battery life yesterday, I think I was at, you know, 50% or something when I went to bed. Today is a much more normal day, although I used it a little harder than normal. I got, I get up at about seven o'clock in the morning and I use my phone a lot in the morning. Um, and so by the time I got down to my desk at nine, it was at about, uh, I think it was 82%. Um, and then throughout the day, actually today I was booted into windows a lot working on some C sharp projects. And so I was using my phone with my headphones for my music, which I normally don't do. Cause if I'm on my Mac, I just use uh, the music app. Uh, let's see what else did I do with it today? I've texted a few times. I've looked up various things. Um, I went, uh, on a indoor run on, and I use Runkeeper to track a, uh, treadmill run. Uh, but even though it was a treadmill run, anytime Runkeeper is open, it's activating the GPS. So that was a little hard on it. I am actually at 38% right now, and I have not plugged it in at all since seven this morning. So it's workable. It's not as good as my one plus was. Um, but I'm happy enough with it. So battery life is good. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the uh, MagSafe adapter is on my nightstand, and I basically just get the phone, I put the back of the phone in close proximity, and it just snaps right into place, and I don't have to fiddle with trying to get the plug in when I'm really tired and want to go to bed. It just works. So that's really nice. What are you doing for your desk? Are you doing any charge there? or I, I have a charger at my desk. I, I have, you know, especially basically the 6S I had to keep plugged in all the time, and so when I, when I got down to my desk... Um, honestly, because I use my phone a lot in the morning, my success would usually be at like 60% by the time I got down to my desk at 9am. And so I would plug it in. Um, and so that charger is still here, but I have not used it on the success. I mean, on the 12 mini yet, other than when I was setting it up and transferring over. Uh, yeah. So I do have a charger here. It is not a MagSafe. It is a, it is a lightning. Very happy for you. I'm sure the phone will make you a very happy iPhone user again, right? I'm Yes. All your problems are going to melt <sighs> away. All the issues you've had on hi-fi are things of the past. This phone satisfies. Sure. I have a few things that have been weird about it. Um, I'll see. I'm going to get through the outline here just real quick. Size. Um, strangely enough, the um, it has the same grid of icons uh, as my 6S. Even though it's a bigger screen, they're just spaced out a little more, which makes sense because I don't think there's enough space to add another row. Um, so that's, that, that made things easy in, in a certain way, I suppose. Um, let's see face ID. I've never had a phone with face ID. That's not true. My six, my one plus seven T had face ID, but it wasn't like the primary thing. Like this obviously only works with face ID and I'm trying to get used to this. Anytime I touch it or pick it up, the screen comes on, which is also somewhat annoying sometimes, but I do like that when it's in my pocket and I lift it up, it basically immediately I just swipe up and it's unlocked. So that's kind of nice. The camera, Joe, the camera is, I'm coming from the 6S, remember, the camera is great. Um, it's definitely, a, even though my OnePlus had a, uh, it was a three camera system, the, um, the, the the 2X camera was not a very good camera on the OnePlus, and so I wound up never using it anyway. But both of the, both the wide angle and the, and the standard lens are better cameras than my OnePlus had, so that is very good. And I'm taking more pictures than I was, so it's pretty great. Uh, portrait mode is pretty good. You ask in the outline, uh, how does it compare in the Android world? I would say that it's not quite as good as Google's portrait mode on their pixel stuff, 
but I haven't had that since my Pixel hmm. phone anyway. Uh, the difference being Google doesn't do it on the fly, so you don't get to see it in the in the um, viewfinder the way you do on iPhone, where iPhone does it on the fly, which is really nice. You can see what it's doing. Google calculates it after you take the picture. Uh, but I feel like Google's results overall were better, so it's a trade-off. Um, let's see. I I mentioned on the show that I don't have 5G in my area. It turns out that's not entirely accurate. Uh, even though T-Mobile's coverage map doesn't show it yet, I'm usually on 5G. It's low-band 5G uh, here in Spring Hill. But it very quickly, and especially depending on where I'm at in Spring Hill, it'll switch over to LTE. Um, but I have solid 5G coverage up in Franklin where I go to church. And so I quickly took a um, speed test and... It's about double the speed of LTE, uh, but it's still slower than the, of course, max rated speed that, that their 5G will go. I got 43 megabits per second down and 16 up. Um, so, yeah, that's 5G. Um, I've just left it at the default setting, which is, um, what it, what is that thing where it's like a hybrid? Like, it'll use 5G when it thinks it can and should, and otherwise it'll use LTE to conserve battery. Uh, yeah, auto 5G, I think. Yeah, so I've just left that alone for now. If I feel like the battery is becoming problematic, I may play with it. And I may do it as an experiment anyway and just turn off 5G and see if it does better battery. We'll see. Um, I don't want to be too tedious, but I have just a couple more things because I'm just excited about this phone. Uh, I, Joe, this is surprising cool. to me because Apple is like, you know, really good at audio these days. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like the onboard speakers are as good as my OnePlus was. Uh, the OnePlus had great sound and I could hear the pop, like if I was just out going around and I didn't want to pop my headphones in and I'm just walking around the, you know, the house or something and I'm listening to a podcast, I could hear the OnePlus's speakers really well. And I don't feel like I can with this phone hmm. and they sound a tad tinny, which I was surprised about because I'd heard that Apple had gotten a lot better at the speakers and the phones. So huh. that's, that's the speakers. How do you find that your speakers are on your phone? I I think they're really good. And what maybe the issue is is uh scale, kind of like the battery life suffering that there's less of the open speaker holes at the bottom of your iPhone mini versus hmm. what you would have on the 10Rs and up because let me look at the bottom of my 11 right here. I know one side is an all speaker grill. The other side has a microphone in it. Right. Maybe some extra speaker holes as well. I have six holes on the right and six holes on the left on the regular 11. And I remember from reviews that a few of them did say the 11 Pro or maybe it was just the Pro Max's speakers were even better. So it, it's very easy to boast better speaker performance the bigger the phone tech is. So hmm. uh, that could have something to do with it. Yeah, maybe. Um, and the, and the, and in all fairness, the OnePlus was a bigger phone than this 12 mini. Uh, but it does, like the OnePlus and like the Google Pixel 2 XL before it that I had, um, it does stereo by using the speaker uh, over on the um, earpiece side, right? And then the other side comes out the... Um, the speaker grill side and and that's how it does stereo and in theory makes it sound louder um and it's certainly louder than the success I, that was one thing that was really annoying about the success going back to the success was how quiet the phone was um so yeah um okay that's the speakers oh so i had this really weird issue that i never had with the 6s 
uh, and the Apple Watch. Um, so Sunday morning, I noticed uh, I always t- put on the um, the maps uh, just in case there's any traffic it wants to let me know about, even though I know where I'm going. So Sunday morning, uh, I put on my I you know punched in the maps thing, and I noticed that my watch was not giving me directions. And normally, anytime you pull up the maps app and you set it up. It, the watch will, you know, ping you and let you know about turns and stuff, and it wasn't doing that. I thought, well, that's weird. And so then when I got to church, I had a little bit of downtime before church started, and I noticed that the watch was on cellular and that the battery was draining, which it does when it's on cellular, right? Yeah. I'm like, that's really odd. And so I went into Bluetooth on my phone, and it was said it said, Apple Watch, not connected. And so I clicked it, you know, to connect it, and it said couldn't connect, and I did it again. And so I thought, huh, must be maybe I haven't restarted the watch in a while. So I restarted the watch and it still didn't help. And so finally, long story short, I restarted the phone and it connected to it instantly and got off cellular. So I don't know what's going on there. I hope that's not a recurring thing. It hasn't happened today as far as I know. It's uh, let me double check. Let me look at my Bluetooth because I've been on Wi-Fi and I know I think it prefers Wi-Fi. But it is connected, yeah. So maybe that was just a temporary glitch. I hadn't restarted the iPhone since I set it up, so maybe there was something about that. I don't know. So I hope that's not a recurring thing. However, <laughs> this morning, I did have another weird glitch um, where, you know, the now playing widget on the lock screen reflects whatever's playing. Except that this morning, I always listen to podcasts in the morning as I'm getting ready and taking a shower and stuff. And um, I, have a, I have a little Bluetooth speaker that's waterproof. And I went to pause it so I could, um, you know, go downstairs and the now playing widget was nowhere to be found. And so I opened up the Pocket Cast app and I clicked pause. I locked the phone, then I unlocked it and clicked play again and then locked it and there was still no now playing widget. So I force quit Pocket Cast and then opened it back up and then the now playing widget appeared. So that was another odd glitch that I've never seen before. I think some of this stuff is because the hardware is a brand new piece of tech. And then you have the software, which is a recent release of iOS 14. Then, you know, I I mean, like, I'd expect these to be bugs that are fixed. I just don't know what the now playing widget has to do with the hardware. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, perhaps it's just a bug across all of iOS 14 then. Because it should show up for me as well. And it could have happened to me and maybe I just hadn't noticed yeah, except it never ha- it never happened on my 6s like ever. So interesting. I I remember a bug like this many versions of iOS ago, but it was quickly fixed, and it, I've never seen it since. And that was like the 4s or something. So I don't even remember which phone. I will say one one thing that is um, really good about this phone. Uh, it's even better than my iPad Pro, which which has great. I don't have any problems with it Bluetooth wise. But I uh, had my phone on my desk and my uh, Bluetooth headphones in my ears, and I walked into the kitchen and I wasn't thinking about my phone not being on me. And at some point, when I walked into the kitchen, I realized, oh, my phone's not on me, but yet my audio is coming through crystal clear. And usually, you start hearing glitchy stuff. Certainly with my iPad Pro. Um, it starts being glitchy uh, because it's too far away for the Bluetooth. Um, so it has really great Bluetooth reception, apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is, that's, that's my iPhone 12 mini. I've done enough talking now. That's, that's, uh, that's a lot of talking for me. You wanted to, unless you have anything else you want to ask me about, you want to talk about Big Sur. Uh, were you at all disappointed that you didn't have a power brick? Like, I mean, do you have some sort of revulsion to, did you look uh, down at the box and just, just despise it and, throw it into the garbage as soon as you realized, yes, even yours didn't have the power brick? (laughs) Joe, I have so many USB power bricks, I didn't care. 
Oh, okay. I am I'm definitely an Apple's target market for saying everybody has one of these. They don't need another one. Okay. That sounds good. All right. Very reasonable take on it. Yeah, well, then I'm ready to move on. I wanted to talk about my first impressions of Big Sur. Yeah, like a madman, you have updated on day one to Big Sur on your Mac. How has it treated you? Well, first of all, first of all, Joe, did you have any thoughts? I, I put some uh, links to Marco's tweets about Big Sur in the show notes. Have you had a chance to look at those? I have. Yes, let me refer to them. So Marco Arment, everybody knows him, and he's uh, quite an astute developer. He pointed out that there was some things that were missing features, just little details that used to make Catalina or an earlier Mac OS work more smoothly. And he's not wrong. For example, in this one tweet, he was saying how in Big Sur, with the notifications design that pops up a notification in the top right corner, then you can gather in notification center that there used to be buttons that you could click on directly on the notification with Catalina to like mark a to-do complete or to tell a to-do to snooze or to turn off an alarm that you had go off. And those are gone now. And what you do have is you may, if you hover over the notification, there can appear a a like a drop down list button so you could uh, open up a contextual menu on the notification itself where you would have a list of your options for completing and snoozing and turning off if you wanted to take some kind of action with it but it's less discoverable because you got to hover on the notification to see it and then you may have that list that you have to expand before you can even click on one of the choices. Yeah. I mean, basically, they've moved the options that you used to be able to click right on into the junk drawer. And so you have to click to open the junk drawer to mm-hmm. get to those options now. It's it's what we call junk drawer design, and it's not great. On the, on the one hand, it is a more frustrating when you did need just one or two actions to take with whatever the notification could be. On the other hand, I could see where a app could maybe take advantage of using the junk drawer to present more options. So it could have been the developers, uh, maybe just enough of them had said the issue that they had faced was that they would like to put buttons on a notification, but there wasn't enough room for three or more actions on the notification. Sure. So you keep the two most common ones, and then you still have a more cl- thing that you click than you put the less common ones in that more menu. Like there's, are, there's ways to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I That being all said and done, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if this is the sort of design decision that Apple, uh, you know, backs up again, you know, takes one step back and says, yeah, they're, these developers are not wrong from this feedback. We should implement this sort of thing in whatever macOS 11.2 for 2021. Because it is a nice thing to have. And no one is selling, saying that Marco Arment is wrong. And we're really going to miss that sort of thing on any of the app's notifications. I know on a regular basis, I would use them for my events that have notifications and my to-do lists that have notifications. So what I'm, what I'm also finding, though, is that enough about Big Sur has been redone. This is my first impression that I could understand that they were trying to reduce all the features they would have to support. And that wasn't one example where they were trying to eliminate features because they got those actions underneath the junk drawer. But 
it does feel like some things have been yet simplified some more. And we're going to have more developers like Marco pointing them out to us. He had a, a few other tweets, so we'll have links in the show notes if you want to see the examples that he cited. But things that have that have changed and the ways in that the Apple was attempting to improve macOS largely have to do with the look and feel of virtually yes. everything. Mm-hmm. So the, the menu bar is a little larger. The text has a different look and feel to it. It's got a smoothing gradient behind the menu bar. On the far right side, you have a sort of more spacing between every utility that you keep up in the menu bar. And then they have uh, dropped the button for the notification center so that you now just click on the date and time to expand notification center, which now can also hold your widgets, sort of like the... Uh, the widgets on Catalina used to, but now you've got your consolidation of notifications with those widgets, but you have widgets that work and feel like they do on iOS 14. Uh, What I found kind of curious about this is a design choice between iPad, iPhone, and the Mac is that macOS wants to keep all of those menu bar utilities to the right up there to hug the, the time. Therefore, Notification Center hugs the right-hand side along with your widgets. So on the Mac, all your widgets are on the right. On iPadOS, they're all on the left on the iPadOS home screen. So there's little things like that that make it just kind of feel different. And then you have just a different look and feel to every app icon. So anything that you were accustomed to, the way that they looked, Mail, Safari, the Finder, uh, the settings app icon has a whole redesign. It echoes what it looked like on Catalina, but looks more soft and pillowy and rounded on the edges, rounded rectangles everywhere as far as the eye can see. You would say that Apple said, uh, where's your cookie cutters? Uh, use the round rec one and took every app icon and just, uh, just cut it sharply with a round wreck cookie cutter <laughs> because <laughs> some of them don't quite feel right. I, I, I'm looking at, for example, Safari. It's a round compass inside of a white rectangle. It just, uh, it, it makes me sad. Yeah, I don't, I, I've never liked the modern Safari icon on iOS. Yeah, it looks exactly the same as it does on iOS. Yeah, I like most of them. Safari has suffered the most for sure. Um, I've actually, so I'm still on, uh, Catalina. That is, that's the right one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Catalina is the current one. I, I, <laughs> the I, right I one. can't remember anymore. <laughs> I didn't say right one, but, um, I, uh, I've noticed several apps starting to update their icons. Uh, Fantastical, for instance, is now a rounded rectangle. Um, I think it looks great. Uh, Transmit updated its icon. It's a rounded rectangle with the truck in the middle. Um, so yeah, I'm mm-hmm. even on Catalina, I'm starting to see, uh, updates to the icons to, to match the, the preferred style of, uh, of, you know, of Big Sur. Yeah, it is interesting because the third parties had to take action, but then won't Catalina's own stock apps never get the rounded rec redesign. So there's still going to be people on Mojave as well that don't upgrade and they're going to have a lot of those round recs from third parties. Yeah. Yeah, that will be interesting. I, I, you're definitely right. I, none of the stock apps in macOS are going to get the uh, rounded rect update. I don't. I would not imagine anyway. 
So uh, going down the list, we got the dock. It has the round wreck sort of feel to the dock itself with all these round wreck icons. Mm-hmm. And it's detached from the bottom of the phone. Oh, I mean the Mac screen. Uh, iPad, iPad OS style, right? Yeah. So it does look good. And it does feel like it complements Apple's uh, e- ecosystem of interfaces as a whole. I do like that. Now, now, one thing I really enjoyed was on the lock screen that the lock screen profile pictures have gotten a uh, sort of the the biggie size, the maximizer. They scaled them up maybe a 20%, 25%. And it, that just means you can see the profiles that much easier on smaller Macs. Maybe you're using an 11-inch MacBook and your profile image is just going to be bigger, which is more pleasant because it's just got a whole lot of empty space on the lock screen as it is anyway. Uh, I do like that little touch. But again, what's kind of funny is that even though macOS went from the final version of macOS 10 to the first version of 11, it's not as big of a leap as it was to go from what was, what did we call it back in the day? The Macintosh operating system 9 <laughs> to the first generation of macOS 10. Uh, because back in the day, we had the Aqua interface, TJ, and you can remember how everything about that was supposed to look kind of tangible, glossy, like it oh, was yes, of course. just super vibrant and under a spotlight, gorgeous stuff, very materialistic. So it mm. was to m- make things more, be- I, I don't want to say believable, but like seem more tangible and have more weight to them. Yeah, I, I would say the original Aqua interface, uh, I, I like, it, it's not called Aqua anymore, but I like the culmination of it in Catalina, uh, whereas the original Aqua interface was very heavy and just over-designed, I would say, like pinstripes everywhere, brushed metal, like all this, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff. It was over-designed, I would say, and it almost had to do that because you could, and oftentimes I find this is a good technique in general, is just overdo something and then scale it back and you've got the right thing. Yeah. So I feel like that's what Mac OS did over time one example of where they've been clever in a subtle way on mac os 11 you mentioned the pinstripes on the earliest editions of 10 Mm -hmm. here in the interface when you get it you'll see what i'm talking about but if you're in the finder there's sort of an accent color of blue as well in safari but then if you're using another default app like the music app it has sort of a pinkish purplish tinted red as the sure. accented color. So mm-hmm. if you're using the sidebar that has all of your your library and your playlists, and each one of them has a little glyph to go with it to indicate what kind of uh, list it is, this is your library, so it's got a library glyph. Well, that glyph, that image, that icon is just an outline, and it is in this new sort of hot pinkish red color to match the music app so all of the apps uh have this sort of color scheming going on so it'd be different for the notes app uh, maybe different for other professional apps maybe phonica pro can get a purple hue or something but one nice thing too is that if you are not interested in this accent color business and it's too playful for you you can always go into system preferences and just default to one color for all apps to rule them all so you could go back to blue accent across everything or maybe orange is your thing 
Uh, speaking of system preferences, I think it was interesting as a choice, TJ, that I, I let me double let me double check this. Yeah, okay, I'm looking at it right now on my dock. the The app is still called System Preferences, and this is a Mac. But they did all of this design overhaul to bring it more in keeping with iOS and iPadOS, and they didn't rename it Settings. Interesting. Can you send me a screenshot so that I can see what you mean by bringing it in line with iOS? Yeah, because the icon basically looks like the Settings app, and sure. Well, it, it does even on on current on Catalina. The name of it is System Preferences. Uh, right here is your screenshot. Right. So you don't you don't mean you just you just mean the icon. You don't mean the um the the like the the way that system preferences or settings works on iOS where you have like this column view of stuff. Yeah, I think that would be a real bad idea to to make a one long con- endless list. I really do I'm, prefer the menu for the Mac. It's a great interface for what it's worth. I'm not sure I agree because I find lately in system preferences on Catalina. So, mm-hmm. so every, okay, every iteration of Mac OS, system preferences has moved the icons around, which I find infuriating. That is because annoying, I, yeah. just when I learn muscle memory where things are, then when I upgrade from, you know, Mojave to Catalina, I think that was the order that those operating systems were released. <laughs> um, then, um, then I can't like muscle memory is gone. I can't remember where any, I don't know where any of the icons are anymore. And I'm just starting to learn where Catalina's are. And I'm sure that big Sur's are in all different places. And so I, I tend to rely on search more, but I feel like a long list or, or a more iOS settings like list would be nice because you kind of can scroll through the list. And I don't know. I, I just, I like iOS settings actually a lot personally. I can see that. The thing about system preferences is it's a little bit uh, something old, something new. When you look at the version on Big Sur, so they have a bunch of new icons, and I think that they've rearranged the <laughs> the combination of grouped sections again. I It's just so familiar to me because system preferences hasn't changed an awful lot in my lifetime of experience, going back to 1993 on Macs. So... Mm. I kind of like it as it is. I haven't overthought it, but I do agree with you that it has been annoying that they've re- kept rearranging things. I don't even understand what the p- purpose of rearranging it is at this point. Yeah. I still think that some of their icon decisions are odd. So Spotlight's menu in System Preferences has now what looks like sort of an a an app icon of yesteryear. It looks like maybe the kind of magnifying glass you would see as an icon for Mac OS 9, like it, it really doesn't feel like it belongs in this day and age. And so this kind of magnifying glass representing the Spotlight app in system preferences, you don't see this magnifying glass anywhere in iOS 14 or anywhere else on the Mac. So there's, there's just little nitpicky things like this as a designer that seem a little bit inco, inco, inconsistent. I sent the Catalina Spotlight System Preference Pane icon to you. What is it, has it changed from that? Let me share this one with you as well. And look at yours. Yeah, this is a complete redo. Interesting. So yours is actually more what I would have expected. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not like they left it alone or anything. They actually designed it, but you're saying they designed it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like you've got the Spotlight icon next to the Siri icon. And that's still true in Big Sur, but this spotlight icon is a complete redo. 
Yeah, that what is odd. That that's I don't like it. Um, I don't like Big Sur's icon. And I'm looking at the screenshot of system preferences that you sent me, and it's a very odd mix of more modern feeling icons and uh, icons that they redesigned mm-hmm. but that don't look good. And then there are definitely icons that they just never got around to messing with. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very odd. It is very odd. I I feel like this is not done yet. I don't think this is fully baked. Yeah, we got the screen time icon now that it's on the Mac in the system preferences. And that screen time has what looks like a purplish blue ink going down a hourglass. And it looks like something that would belong from the Aqua interface era more so than anything of late. Yeah, these icons are an odd mix of they feel like they fit in Catalina. They they went for the rounded rect, and then others are still just icons, and uh, others yet are double rounded rects, and it, it's not good. It is not good. I, I feel like they didn't know what, like, I don't know. I feel like they had three or four different people working on these and said, okay, you do these icons, and you do these <laughs> icons, and you do these icons, and then they're like, okay, ship it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh man, it does That's feel not that good. way. Yeah. Uh, as a whole, none of it looks unprofessional like it did it in earlier betas. There was a really bad battery charging uh, uh, icon for an earlier beta, <laughs> Big Sur. Oh my. <laughs> it was notoriously <laughs> it was, bad. It was real bad. Uh, that 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 went a little bit viral. Yeah, it did. Uh, moving on to more pleasant things though. So one thing I do like is the sound effects overhaul. There are quite a few sound effects now that are, well, kind of like the app icons. There's a little bit of something old and something new to them. So the trash cans, uh, emptying the trash is new. The sending and receiving mail is new. The sending and receiving messages are new. Just virtually every sound effect has been redone. So some of them from scratch, completely replacing what they were on Catalina, while others have been tweaked and then given a little bit of something new. So like if you're taking a picture uh, for a screenshot, a screen capture, maybe you're just taking a picture of a window or you're taking a shot of... Uh, just something within a, a web page, let's say, and you're referencing it with your boss, so you're getting a screenshot, screen grab. Well, those sound effects are similar to what they used to be, but they're di- they're different now, and it's kind of jarring. And here's what I found, TJ, is that when you introduce new sound effects for a Mac, because you're not expecting the sound effect to be any different than it has been for like the last ten years plus, it feels like you did something wrong. The instant I get these new sound effects, I think I've made a mistake. What was my mistake? What was my error? Or did the computer just encounter a bug? And then I realize, oh, oh, that's just, okay, Big Sur's just got new sound effects. Yeah, nothing's wrong. But I think that the the audible information is going to confuse a lot of uh, your average users that are not expecting the sound to be new and different. They're going to think that they are getting error sound effects every time they do, they do something that cause a sound effect uh, across the board until somebody tells them, no, 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 all the sound effects are new and different. And then, uh, and then we're going to hear from the older crowd that are going to say, well, why do these young whippersnappers have to try and do new things? Uh, I, I do feel like the sound effects are all pleasant, but every time I hear them, I still think, oh, I did something wrong. 
And so it's still taking me some time to get used to. Yeah, I think it's, I think for us longtime Mac users, it's mostly a issue of being used to the way things were. I don't know that, like, um, mm-hmm. I, I just know that I've, I, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to c- concoct the scenario, but I can't quite pull up. But I know that sound has come up uh, on w- between me and my wife before, and she just has never. Oh, does it make sound when it does X? I didn't know that. Like, it, I, it, sound does not factor into her use of the interface. Sounds, I should say, don't factor into her use of the computer at all. <laughs> So I think for us, it's a bigger deal than it probably is. And uh, there was a, I don't remember which episode, but there was an episode of Upgrade where um, Jason Snell and Mike Hurley played all the sounds, you know, the Catalina and then the new version of uh, the Big Sur sounds. And uh, I liked most of them. Some of them definitely felt like they could use a little more Mm -hmm. time in the oven to fully bake. But uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would recommend that episode because it was fun to hear their discussion and you got a nice clear sounding copy of the sound effects as they played them on the podcast. Speaking of which, one though that is a real pleasant treat is they've brought back the startup chime for the Mac and it's really refreshing because I the first time I heard it after running Big Sur, I was going to get another cup of coffee and my Mac boomed from the other room and I, I just <laughs> had this like waving recognition come over me and I was like, ah, yes, my Mac is no longer mute. She can communicate to me again. I love that. So um, there have been multiple iterations of the startup chime over the years. Does it, I mean, and you could also re-enable the startup chime uh, on computers with a tweak um, to the firmware settings. That being said, does it sound any different or does it sound the same as you remember it uh, from most modern computers or how does it sound? Yeah, that is a really good question It because it did get something new. It's not exactly identical to what it was on maybe, was it Mojave that got it removed or was yes. the last version to have it? No, Mojave, was, Mojave disabled it. Yeah. Okay, so it's been two years that it's been disabled and on all the modern Macs anyway. So I think... From If it was just based on memory and had no one told me that it was updated and revised, I would have thought it was exactly the same from memory. But I paying attention to it, I kind of remember what it has been in the past and could say, yeah, no, that's, this, is, this is a little different. But it, you could have also contributed that to maybe you have a newer Mac with different built-in speakers. Maybe you went from a 13-inch MacBook to a desktop iMac or something and thought, oh, it's just because my speakers are different. So it's not so different that you would feel like they had a whole new, new different version of the time. Interesting. Okay. So the next item on here, Joe, that you want to talk about is Control Center. And I have questions because I feel like um, what's hap- going to be happening in the early days, and you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong, is that the old menu bar system is going to be competing with Control Center until developers and Apple get it all sorted out. I like where they're going, but I, I'll bet there's issues here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So if you haven't heard, this is one area of contention for a lot of the the interface enthusiasts is that in the menu bar, we're used to having all of our third-party utilities competing for real estate with things like our Wi-Fi router settings or our sound settings or Time Machine up in the top right corner next to a Spotlight Notification Center and the Time. Well, those things are still there, but Notification Center is the new kid on the block. So if you open Notification Center, it has a it has what looks like 
an icon of two sliders, one going left and one going right. Wait, are you talking about control center or notification center? Because you said notification center, but I thought we were talking about control center. I meant to say control center. Did I say notification? Okay. I just want to make sure you did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So the, the sliders going left and right is for the control center. Yes. And okay. inside from top to bottom, you've got Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, AirDrop on the top left. You've got do not disturb and screen mirroring on the top right. You have in the middle display and sound. At the bottom, you have the music or, or whatever is now playing from whatever kind of app is making some audio. So the idea is great. And like you said, it is a little contentious because it feels like it's underbaked, underwhelming, and it almost feels like it was designed for a touchscreen interface, not a Mac interface, where there's no touching involved. And I could see why a lot of people being accustomed to their phones would want to just reach out and touch it and catch themselves off guard. Like, what am I doing? Because it's not going to work. And as I look at it, it feels like it's pretty good. It's not broken. It's not janky. It just doesn't feel like it's the right implementation. But I don't know how they could make it better. See, it... It looks like the right implementation to me. Um, what I'm wanting, because basically I use Bartender right now because mm-hmm. everybody, every app wants to put their icon in the menu bar. And it just, you know, if, if I let every app that I have do that, it would take up, I wouldn't have room for menus. <laughs> so, um, and I like the idea of a control center where basically it, it, if it would work like this, and I don't know that it fully works like this, but it basically kind of takes the place of Bartender where all of your extra items and your control center stuff are in control center and you can drag the ones you want out to be their own item. Like, it seems like a great implementation. I just assume that there's just a lot of problems still in these early days. Yeah. And third-party apps are not able to do that. I don't even know if Apple's providing APIs for third-party apps to make use of Control Center or not. Hmm. I, I don't think that I've seen any example yet. And I'm using Bartender in a new edition that is for Big Sur. And mm-hmm. yeah, let's see. What I have sitting on the menu bar with that is not in the junk drawer of bartender is now playing plus sound controls plus an app called night owl and it gives me this little night owl icon it lets me toggle between light mode and dark mode of the mac then we have control center and the date and time if i open up bartender i also have time machine yoink moom the Wi-Fi router, text expander, uh, keyboard maestro, Rocket, Dropbox, Fantastical, uh, a Magic Window 4K, and Clean My Mac 10. So yeah, I, I, st- I don't think you could survive without Bartender and stay sane. But I think maybe, TJ, what a lot of the people are trying to sort out is that these, util- these utilities in the top feel like they should serve every purpose you could possibly want them to serve to make things ultra snappy so that you can get back to whatever you're primarily doing on your Mac at that time, rather than fiddling with all the things in menu bar. And that's the thing is that control center feels like there's more to fiddle with. So like if you open control center, you've got the Bluetooth icon on and off, but you can turn it off and on just like you can in control center on your iPhone. But you can also expand the Bluetooth menu to look at like drilling down into more Bluetooth settings. So if you have Bluetooth off and you try to open it up to expand its deeper uh, settings and preferences, 
nothing is there because Bluetooth is off, which is kind of a, a design decision. I kind of understand. Then if you turn the Bluetooth back on, then you can see, well, there's your keyboard and your AirPods and your magic trackpad. What's kind of funny about this is it's not entirely clear how to use these things. So I, I, I like the only one I fully understand is the AirPods. Thankfully, it expands and lets you choose between having noise cancellation, transparency mode, or just neither of those on. You can switch it back to off. But all in all, I'm just saying I kind of see why this is the simplest route to take and it works the most simplest route they could possibly make to make it universally uh, usable. And it's probably not going to change all that much over the years to come. But I can see where third-party developers are going to get some bright ideas and they're going to be stymied at every turn. They're not going to get the options to use Control Center the way that they have come up with some new fantastic ideas for it to upgrade it. So it, it is what it is, and it's a, it's okay, but remember, control, why does any of this even matter? It could just be that in Control Center on your iPhone, you're able to, as a third-party developer to, are they able to use Control Center on the phone, TJ? Not as far as I know. I certainly don't have any third-party things in here that I can see. They're all first-party stuff. Um, and let me go and check, because I know you can move things in and out of Control Center. Hey, TG, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. I lost you for a second, because while I was fiddling with Control Center in the Bluetooth menu, I didn't even realize it <laughs> at, live on the recording. I I I had effectively turned off my AirPods and while you were replying, I had no idea that my sound was off while looking at the sound controls in Control Center. How's that for a field test? <laughs> yeah, I've, well, I've heard that there's some issues with uh, state uh, representation in the Control Center. Yeah. Where, where some people are saying it, it's dimmed when you think you feel like it should be not dimmed, that sort of thing. Yep, that's basically what just happened to me. <laughs> so yeah, um, there are no third-party things in Control Center on iPhone. Uh, it would be really great if they would open up both. Uh, final remarks. Uh, I want to mention wallpapers, but the last thing I wanted to say about Notification Center is that I do like this enhancement to Notification Center. It it it, it just suits my design aesthetics. I like having my widgets and my notifications consolidated like this. What I have at the top is the new notifications that come in. Then after that, the photos app, the uh, medium sized uh, like uh, time clock faces so that I'm getting time in Portland, Memphis, Atlanta, and Brisbane. uh, So I can see all those analog clocks together. Then we have the Fantastical widget, and beneath that, the last one is the Things 3 widget. And I, I, so I, I just love this. It feels like a fresh face. It's much better than the widgets on uh, Catalina, which uh, every time I looked at them, they just seemed so dated. I So I don't use Control Center. Uh, I'm sorry, Notification Center. See, I'm doing it too. Control Center, Notification Center, too many centers. So I don't use Notification Center on macOS at all, except occasionally I open it up and go, oh, there's all kinds of notifications, and I clear them out. <laughs> um, I yeah. use notifications. I just don't use yeah, the Notification Center. Yeah, I did that to center. me too. Do you feel like I would use this version of Notification Center in macOS? 
I would feel like a lot more people might be inclined to for professional use and casual use because what it does for me is maybe I have been working on some graphics or audio production for a couple hours now and I'm getting mental fatigue. I need to take a break. I want some air. I get up from the desk. I leave. I come back and I'm trying to re- I'm trying to consolidate all my thoughts and get the big picture again, be reminded of where am I at today? What time is it? Oh yeah, that's the time. What day is it? Oh yeah, that's the date. What's the weather like? Okay, that's the weather. Where's my to-do list? Oh, that's, yeah, that's my to-do list. And those are the top seven things on the list for today. All of those things can be instantly glanceable together in Widget Center. Or the Widget Center. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So for most of those things, though, except for like the to-do stuff, which I normally just use the app uh, either on my Mac or my phone. But for most of that stuff that you just mentioned, like checking the weather and various things like that, like I use my phone. I I, I don't need it on my Mac. I will say I do have up in my menu bar a weather um, app that uh, it's it's part of. um, Oh, I'll remember the name of it here in a second. Anyway, it shows me the weather in the menu bar, and it's 42 degrees right now, 59% chance of rain. Uh, but otherwise, like, I, mm. I don't do that sort of – like, all that stuff I just use my phone for, and I just don't use Notification Center. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe maybe Big Sur, when I upgrade to it in a year, will we'll change my mind. <laughs> what you should do, TJ, is anytime you're going to look at your notifications or your, your, your Today View or your Control Center on any device, you need to get your watch out. You need to go to it there and then open it up on your iPad, your iPhone, and your Mac at the same time and compare them all make sure they're in sync and read them from top to bottom to make sure that there's no discrepancies and really get on top of this. This is how Apple intends for people to use their Notification Center or their Control Center. I have no idea what's going on right now. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, final point is that I think a lot of the first wave of reviews for macOS Big Sur has been complimenting the wallpapers. And it's kind of funny that this is like a feature that people are talking about. You'd think that wallpapers didn't previously exist or they exist in a much poorer Well, they didn't. Did they, Joe? Did they? Like they had... <laughs> well, the good news is is that TJ, I can I can promise you that Big Sur does have wallpapers and they do look really good. And uh so if you were afraid that they had moved tabs to the bottom of wallpapers or something like that, they hadn't. They're still where they've always been, which is to say that they don't exist. And the wallpapers are just fine the way they are. They, nothing has really changed. But they have introduced a new collection of wallpapers. So there's some Big Sur Island wallpapers that are photography that look really gorgeous. And they change their appearance throughout the day depending on the time of where the sun is supposed to be. Then there's also sort of like an artistic re- uh, interpretation or rendition of some landscapes that, that are very colorful, vibrant, that you can also get on iPad OS and I believe the iPhone on I, uh, iOS 14 now. You can also get those same wallpapers on Mac OS, which actually feels pretty complimentary. If you're into those, those new wallpapers, I think you're going to like them across the board. So maybe you'd want all of your wallpapers to appear the same. But the default wallpaper, this gradient that looks like a waving, rippling waves or uh, like linen, you know, just like blowing in the wind that you see is very colorful. I love it. It's actually really gorgeous in dark mode. And that is what I have on my Mac on a, uh, all day and all night. So kudos to the wallpaper team. Uh, 
overarching thoughts, TJ? Um, I wanted to know when do you think seriously, though? Seriously, when would you maybe upgrade? But before you tell me, uh, I was kind of curious and I just wonder since we still have the finder and we haven't renamed the finder files also to match what is on iOS, why didn't they just call the files app on iOS 14 the finder? do they or do they not like the naming scheme because if they like the naming scheme i thought it would be finder everywhere but if they feel like it's you know an old name and it's it's days have been and gone then why didn't they just rename finder files Uh, i keep the icon you know i have thoughts they both serve the same purposes Mm -hmm. as, as you can imagine i have thoughts uh, I feel like that they did not use the name Finder on iOS because it is a baggage or it, it, it feels Mac, Mac-ish. It feels like a Mac to say Finder. Conversely, I think that in some ways they probably would like to rename the Finder to Files on Mac OS, but I don't think they can because Finder and Mac are so intricately tied together in Mac users' minds. And even though they're bringing in more and more new Mac users, the Mac continues to be a, a market of growth, even though iPhones dwarf the Mac. It does continue to be a market of growth, but even so, their most loyal fan base is their longtime users, and the, it, Mac has had the Finder since the early days, um, and it's just part of Mac OS. So even when we went from Mac, uh, classic Mac OS, from Mac OS 9 to Mac OS 10, and the Finder literally in the background just became another app, and it was a, not related to the previous Finder at all. It doesn't behave like it. It doesn't act like it. It still was called the Finder, and beca- that's because that's what Mac users expect. You have the Finder, and that is the core, not just the core experience to Mac OS, but like the name in is mean something to people. So I don't think they can rename it. I think part of them would like to, and I don't think we'll ever see something called the finder on iOS because it is antithetical to the way iOS works. Those are my thoughts. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty acceptable, intentional explanation. I can buy that. And with that sort of thinking in mind, it just feels difficult to arrive at that conclusion, but you're not wrong. And uh, I, I can I can run with that. I I would even go further and say I don't want them like I I would understand why they did it, but I don't want them to do it. I think the Finder should be, be the file browser, the file manager on the Mac forever. So my final thoughts are: uh, a lot of people have debated whether or not they wanted to upgrade at this time, <clears throat> and other people weren't happy with the older Mac OS versions as they were anyway. <clears throat> And I, I think I got to say, in general, I don't have large complaints. I didn't have big complaints about Catalina or Mojave, which was actually a pretty sweet update over what we had before. I felt like though Mac OS X had looked long in the tooth, looked kind of boring. It had not had a lot of changes. And you know, a lot of changes mean you rock the boat and you risk stable uh, software. <laughs> so... How does Big Sur pull through? Well, it has a lot of changes to how it looks and feels. It has a few new uh, feature changes, and a few have gone. But most of those are small ones. They may come back. And in the last couple of days, honestly, I feel like there's pretty good support for third-party apps in general. Apple's own default apps are not glitching at 
on me. I've used this for audio editing, video production, uh, now podcasting, <laughs> using Google Docs, using uh, audio recording software. It, you, and in general, these are the things I use day in and day out. I haven't found glitches. I think the one thing, TJ, that didn't work right, and I would actually blame Adobe for this, was I was in Adobe Premiere and I wanted to rename a asset. I could select the asset in its window in the open project, but I could not edit its name. Then I had to restart Adobe Premiere Pro and it worked again. And so I was able to rename the asset. Other than that, no catastrophes, no freezes. Oh, oh, I could say, when you see the beach ball though, on the first day or two on Big Sur, it will freak you out. Because I got the beach ball and it's a richer, darker, meaner looking of the same beach ball. It looks like this, it looks like the beach ball used to be a happy beach ball. It was a bright, cheerful, sunny day at the beach. And now it's like a dark gloomy sort of almost like red sun at the beach and the beach ball is taking its job way too seriously and it's running at a faster twirl this beach ball wants to murder the older beach ball (laughs) and uh, i that was a subtle thing but when i saw it it just it looked scarier than the former beach ball uh Thankfully, it wasn't a serious issue after waiting for Adobe Premiere to update about 40 seconds. The beach ball went away and I haven't seen it since. So All right. Those are my exciting adventures of the beach ball. So you asked when I might update, and there's two things preventing me from updating, uh, or two people. So one person is the uh, my boss, uh, or I mean, he's he's one of the partners in the company, and he also is like all the security and IT and and you know all that stuff. And he has uh, said that we cannot update our work computers uh, until he gives the okay, which is you know we we're a software company and we have to have working computers and stable computers and so that makes sense and i'm completely with him in fact i'm the one who flagged to him as soon as i found out the release date i said hey you may might want to let the company know that uh this is coming and not to update to it and he said yes thank you i will do that the second person is me (laughs) and because i'm i'm with matt so um (laughs) yeah it'll it'll i imagine it'll be 0.1 or 0.2 for sure before i update the other thing is um, the um, when I was setting up the firmware for my Hackintosh, um, I chose a version of iMac to pretend my computer was that is not supported by Big Sur. Uh, so it's not a big deal, but I do have to update some things in my um, pretend firmware that makes the Hackintosh think it's a Mac. Um, so that will, uh, take a little bit more time than usual. Updates have been pretty smooth lately in Catalina. I mean, actually all of Catalina's updates have been smooth on my Hackintosh. I just click update and then updates. Uh, and I imagine once I get my firmware, uh, settings updated, uh, my EFI settings updated that and to trick it to think it's a newer iMac, then it will also be fine. So those are the things holding me back right now. Um, I am definitely going to wait a few releases and make sure everything's stable. And also I will need to, I have not done the full research to check in with all of the software makers that I use and make sure that they're all ready. Very reasonable. So those are the things holding me back. So we'll see. I have, I don't have a, I don't have a firm date on when I will, will update. 
And for the rest of you that maybe don't have professional work to do with software support and development, uh, go into it with trepidation. You know, be prepared for the worst. Make sure you have good backups. Maybe Always you have, have a backup plan to have another Mac that is in good working conditions if you have to uh, restore uh, a bad situation for Big Sur once it is on, an, on your primary device or something. Maybe have something else in the wings. Here's but a question for you, good. Joe. When do you mm-hmm. think I should or should I even update my wife's original MacBook the old, you know, the slow MacBook with no fan, the first one, first generation MacBook, to uh, Big oh. Sur. Should I, or if I do, when? Does it even support it? If it's that old, oh, that is a that that's a great model. question. Uh, if it can support it, okay. Assuming that it could, I would say I would ask Rachel, do you want to check this out? Look at the the Big Sur from Apple's website and see what the update looks like because. If you're well, interested, I know what we can put that on your primary computer. Yeah. I know exactly what she'll, she'll say. say no. She hates change. She'll say no. She goes, this looks different. I don't want it. Okay, well, then then never, <laughs> never, never change somebody else's um, computer. That'd be like that'd be like changing somebody else's well, wallpaper on their iPhone. Uh, yes, okay, but I'm also in charge of like when various software systems get updated around here just because I um, that's my job. That's part of what I do, and I want to make sure I stay on top. Your IT at home. I'm, I'm the IT, yeah. I, I decide when uh, it's good for security reasons or just because you need these features, and, you, you know, she'll sometimes she'll ask me, um, wh- you know, why is X not working? And I say because you haven't updated the latest OS or whatever, so... Um, I just looked and her MacBook is supported by Big Sur, uh, MacBook 2015 or newer, and that is hers. So I, and I've heard that Big Sur overall is actually, uh, better, like in terms of performance. So on the same hardware. So, oh, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's tempting then. Hmm. I'm definitely going to give it a few updates. I should also definitely be running my own stuff on Big Sur first. That way, if something comes up that is a problem area, I know how to deal with it or I know what's changed and what what the, you know, I know how to flag to her what the issues might be that she's like, I don't know how to do X anymore. Oh, well, you do it this way. <laughs> so, I'm just I'm just looking forward to the day when we can put Big Sur on our phones and iOS 14 on our Macs. <laughs> No, I, I, I do not look forward to that at all, nor is it coming. Joe, <laughs> uh, we did not even get to our main topic today, so that's all right. We we make uh, we make two main topics. We, we have iPhone 12 mini and Big Sur, and that's totally fine. We'll talk about podcasts and what we're listening to next week. But I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Yes, this podcast has job security. Yeah. <laughs> if people want to uh, talk to you more about Big Sur, where might they do that? Find me on Twitter. I'm JCS Darnell. And if you want to talk to me more about my iPhone 12 mini, I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter, and that's where you'll find me. Uh, show notes for this episode are at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 10, because we are now 10 episodes old. So go there and find any of the show notes that you want to find out about anything that we talked about. And then hopefully next week, uh, I know we had yeah. announced what we are talking about this week, but just so that you know, next week we're planning to talk about the podcasts that we're subscribed to and what we're listening to, because we are, as you might expect, podcast enthusiasts. Yes. Until then, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.